But uh, so good morning to one and all here today and also to those who are joining in on, on our podcast service, Podbeam, or uh, we're also on Spotify, I believe, and also on Facebook. So you can get all our messages down online and uh, I pray that you do that. So, but this morning I'd like to introduce a topic which I'll be talking about a little bit further on uh, during the year. And, and it's an introduction, uh, an introduction to the empowering subject of the authority of the believer. And uh, as an introduction, I'd like to read a couple of scriptures. And uh, the reason I'd like to speak on this subject is because a lot of people have far far more, more authority in their prayer than they actually recognize. And when you know who your daddy is, amen, when your dad's 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and you can go out in the playground and say, my daddy said this. But that's what it is with Father God. When you know your authority, you speak a little bit different and you pray a little different. So I'd just like to touch on that subject this morning as an introduction. And I would like to go into further de depth of it when I get back from the conference. But I'd like for us, if you would, go to Mark 11, 22 and 23. Just for a, a starter. Mark 11, it's a, a great faith scripture and one that I refer to quite regularly. And so there it is, it says uh, Mark 11 and 22, and this is here Jesus speaking, and it says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So a lot of people can have faith in lots of things, and I won't go into all that, but Jesus said himself, have faith in God. So the object of your faith is clearly defined as being in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Doesn't that quicken your spirit on how we should speak, if we can have whatever we say? Sometimes we say a lot of things that possibly we wish we hadn't, thought we, we shouldn't have said. But we will have whatever we say. In other words, we will produce the fruit of our mouths. Verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What a remarkable scriptures they are. Imagine how we'd speak and how we'd talk to things if we actually believed those things there. Job twenty-two twenty-eight. if you're writing notes, it goes hand in hand. It says, You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of your words brings light. Amen? So you can speak into a dark situation and speak light into that situation. So, but in these extraordinary verses, in its broadest context, in its rawest context, the Word of God is saying through Jesus, the Son of God Himself, that whosoever can have whatsoever doesn't know what it says. That's what it says. If you're in right standing with God, it says, whosoever, so it's non-discriminatory, can have whatsoever. So if you want a bulldozer, that's what you want. Whosoever can have whatsoever. Amen? That's what it says. If you want a bulldozer, you want a D9, you want a D6, a D7. I think they make a D11 nowadays, do they? Is that right? Or something bigger? It was in response to Jesus to the fig tree which he spoke directly to the previous day and the fig tree responded to the spoken word by Jesus and within a 24-hour period, that tree died from the roots up. Amen? 
It didn't die from the leaves down like most trees would die or all trees would die. It died. So Jesus spoke to the root of the problem and it was finished. But the audacity in religious circles, we may think, the audacity and even the arrogance to think that this could be true for us today. They say, oh, that's arrogance. Oh, the audacity of that person praying that way. As if, God, as if you can manipulate God. It's not manipulation. Jesus said that whosoever can have whatsoever. In other words, he's facilitated. He said he's not going to leave us orphans, but he's equipped us. And he left, never left us without armaments to protect ourselves. Amen? The whosoever uh, can have whatsoever is a provision for you from heaven. Amen? And so, but the audacity, some would think the audacity and the arrogance to think that this could be true for us today. Where in this mighty book of books can this be substantiated? They may say with their glasses down on here, and the, uh, where can that be substantiated? I, I need to see it written in the word of God, really. And, and, and with this authority or air of this, but you know what, it, Jesus is talking to kids, really. He says, why don't you just believe me? Take me at my word. That's faith. And that's the sort of faith that pleases God. When you take somebody for, that, for, for their word, you honor them. When you question somebody's integrity, when you question their word, that is dishonoring. And God finds it dishonoring when we don't take him at his word. I had a great discussion this week with an Anglican reverend. And he says, I believe the word of God. In fact, literally, I believe every word of it. <laughs> I, was, I was wrapped. Can you imagine that? I was just so ecstatic that there are other people, ministers of the gospel, who believe the word of God. Is it pride? Is it arrogance? Is it faith? Is it against reason? Or is it above reason? It is above reason, isn't it? Faith is above reason. As the law of aerodynamics is above the law of gravity. See? Two laws, but one is higher than the other. Faith is exactly like that. And the authority that God has invested in you is an awesome authority. A powerful authority. Is it simply humility to take God at his word? It is, isn't it? just to humbly accept what God said. In Zechariah 4, 6, the Bible says, This is the word to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, says the Lord of hosts, actually. The Lord of hosts means the captain of the armies. So when an army involved is involved, we know there is opposition. And so to overcome our spiritual opposition, and there's plenty of it, more so now than there was yesterday. There was more opposition yesterday than there was the day before. And there is a spiritual separation coming about and the grey area of our community is being emptied out and there is a black and there is a white. Amen? And there is a sifting from the chaff or there's a sifting from the wheat and the tares. Amen? And there is always tares in the church. People said, oh, don't go to that church. There's issues there. The Bible says, Jesus said, there's tears in the church. And he said, don't remove them till the day that I return. Why? Because other people can get damaged. There'll be fallout when you remove the tears, amen? So there is always trouble in a church. Oh, don't, don't, be, 
Don't be frightened when you see that things are not always right in a church. It is a work in progress and it can get messy because we're dealing with the eternal destinies of people's lives and the devil doesn't like it one bit. Sometimes the devil's used me to do his work. I've been critical of this and critical of that, having all the criticism but offering no solutions. That was me at times. That's the devil doing his bidding through me, amen. And if the devil can use me, the guy with the pulpit up the front, he can use every one of us, amen. So at times we're not of a right spirit. So don't be afraid when things are not always perfect. But where are you, O mountain of opposition, O mountain of debt, problems and hindrances to my life, my family, my future, obstruction and obstacles to a move of God? There are obstacles to a move of God in the region of Charters Towers and the region of Townsville and the West and beyond. And to all the nations of the earth, there's plenty of problems, there's plenty of obstacles. But before Zerubbabel and before the church of the living God, that's you and I here today, and before anyone in this house, the Bible says it can become a plain because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And through when we recognize the authority that God has given to each and every one of us, we begin to dictate and take dominion, which is our place that we have been rightfully given. So in this dispensation of time, before the rapture of the church, some people here say, well, what's the rapture of the church? Does anybody, don't be ashamed, does anybody know, does anybody not know what the rapture of the church is? Does everybody know what the rapture of the church is? Oh, I said, oh, I don't, I'm pretty confused here now. <laughs> but the rapture of the church is when God calls up the people, the believers in Christ. Not those, everybody sitting in church is a believer, amen? Not everybody is in right standing with God. I pray that you get right with God. But God is before the wrath, the pouring out of the wrath or the, that great tribulation, the whether it's the first three and a half years or the whole seven years, the exact timing of God's return, Jesus' return, and the catching away. That is the word they use. Hapazo is the Greek word for the catching away of the saints. And in this incredible dispensation of time, God himself, Jesus, is calling out the, his, his own. Amen? And we, the church, the believing church, is the restraining power on the earth today. Do you think it's crazy now? When the church gets called out, we're going to be talking crazy, amen? We're talking real crazy because the restraining power, people say, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is, but it is the Holy Spirit working through the church that is the restraining power on the face of the earth today. And when the church is removed, the true believers in Jesus Christ, in this catching away, this rapture of the church, all hell literally will break loose. Amen? It's not going to be a great time. Amen? But literally millions and millions of people will come to Christ in this time. They will pay a heavy, heavy penalty, but they will be glad to pay it because they will, they will know in whom they have believed. It's going to be a glorious time. You will see signs and wonders and miracles such as the book of Acts would be envious of in that time. Amen? So that is the day in which we live. And I speak of it regularly because I want to prepare. It can never be said in this place that we were never told. Because it is the whole counsel of God. It is in the word of God. 
And if anyone, 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 anybody wants further clarification, let's sit down and go through it together, amen? I have no problem with that. And so in Isaiah 40, uh, 40 we know Isaiah 40, and verses 3 to 5, I think this is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. We know this. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. Oh, it's, a, it's exciting scriptures, amen. It's exciting. So is there a, a scriptural basis for praying such a way? Speaking to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea? Is there a scriptural basis for acting such a way or even believing such a way? I want to instill confidence in you. Young or old believers, even as older believers, we need to be... Uh, uh, Paul says, I, it is, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for to you it is safe. Because repetition is a keynote of learning. Why do we do communion every time we meet? Jesus said, do this in remembrance for me. Why? Because we have a propensity to forget. And we have a propensity to forget even the most basic things of God. And so it's good that we go over them. But in the, I worked in a government department once and I, for eight years. And um, the government department at our ethical standards unit challenged us before we did anything on all their documentation. And then we were asked to ask ourselves three questions. Is it authorised? Is it ethical or is it legal? Yes, I know I was talking about a government department. <laughs> is it authorised? Is it ethical? Is it legal? And so we should do no less with this grand topic today when discussing the authority of the believer. Amen? Is it authorised? That's a good thing to know. Who dispensed this authority to us? Is it ethical? Well, it's of God. It is ethical because he is a righteous God. And is it legal? Well, the legal uh, God has illustrated in his word the legality of him, himself having created all things and dispensing that authority to the pinnacle of his creation Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the pinnacle of God's creation. Amen? You are the pinnacle. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. Maybe you don't feel like it some days, but the Bible says that you are the absolute pinnacle of God's creation. So this morning I'm excited to bring an overview of a message titled, The Authority of the Believer. And, uh, but the authority is not just a the property of a few elect people, or the frozen chosen. Or you see somebody over there and he's doing amazing things for God, raising the dead, healing the sick, and all those things, and you say, well, you know, he's got the authority of God on his life. And sometimes we have an, a, a view of that sort of, but I'm a full believer in the, oh, the administration of the gifts of God. There were all kings and priests up to the Most High God, Amen. We all take part. We all have a place. And God has dispensed that authority, not just to one or two, but to every believer that authority has been dispensed. And, uh, and it is the possession of every true child of God. 
If you're a child of God, you have been dispensed with this authority. Its reception comes when? When do you receive this authority? A lot of people think it's an Acts 1-5, Acts 1-8 moment when a divine authority... But that was a, a, a pouring out of the power of God or the anointing. That is the power of God to do ministry. That is different. The dispensation or the handing out of this authority came the moment that your soul touched Calvary. The very, very moment that you touched the cross. The very, very moment when the blood of Jesus cleansed you and you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is not when you were endured with power from on high. No, that is a different thing. That is when the power or the anointing of heaven came upon you for a reason and for a season and for ministry works. That is a different thing. But the authority of the believer came when you touched Calvary. Amen? Tears rolled down your face when you realized how separated you were from God, that you were a sinner, and that you didn't even deserve to be forgiven, and you were crying out, hell is too good for me. Such was the repentance of your heart. Hell is too good for me. I, deserve, I don't deserve hell. It's too good for me. Because your repentance was so deep. But the minute the blood of Jesus washed and cleansed you was the moment that authority was imparted to you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That is a glorious news. It's glorious news. My heart today is that you would understand that you are such a cherished possession of God and that that authority has been dispensed for you so that you can build and become part of God's kingdom. Amen? You're in God's kingdom, and God wants you to enforce God's kingdom here on the earth today. It's not the property of a few elect souls. Amen? But the rights, the privileges, and responsibilities, and because of the immense power that is actually available to you, the enemy, that is the work of Satan himself, he is never here to make your life comfortable. He doesn't even want you to make you discomfortable. He just wants to destroy you. He's content to kill you and destroy your life. Amen? But because of the immense power that is back of the name of Jesus, the enemy has somehow obscured and made dark and made unavailable. The power of God and the authority of God is available to every believer, but somehow the message has not been getting through. And it is a work of Satan himself to obscure the actual power that has been available to you. I'll put it this way. Who here would use an air rifle when under a severe attack to your family, to your possessions, and to your loved ones? Who here would use an air rifle when an AK-47 was on the shelf behind you. <laughs> Who here would like to use a little bit of a shotgun with a bit of salt in it or something like that? A bit of salt shot off it. I don't even know the terminology. I'm not a gun person at all. But I know what a little pea rifle is. I knew we had a little slug gun at home. I got shot in the head once just under there. <laughs> Who here would use a little slug gun? But often the church is using a little slug gun when it's got an AK-47 standing right beside us. Who here is using a shovel when Jesus is driving a D9 behind you? Who here? I can see myself doing that, moving hundreds of tons of dirt through my ears with a little shovel. 
I even loved it. I, I don't mind it. I reckon I've moved thousands of tons of stuff over the years. I throw myself into it. But Jesus sometimes, he just says it's annoyed with me, I think. He's sort of tapping on the wheel behind me going, will you please get out of the road, Jeffrey? I haven't got this big sucker for nothing. <laughs> Who's ever got a dog and barked yourself? Yeah. yeah, that's it. But that's what we're doing, amen? We're barking ourselves. And often we're barking up the wrong tree. The believer who is fully conscious of divine power behind him and of his own authority can face the enemy without fear and hesitation. When you are conscious, in other words, ignorance is not bliss. To be informed is to be forewarned. I'm here to inform us, to try and bring revelation to the Word of God. I know we've read all these things before, but to bring an emphasis to it, that there is a tremendous authority that we have been given, handed to, because you are a child of God. Amen? Your identity in Christ and your position and entitlements that come are available to all believers and it has come to you the moment you became a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we know if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And that new creation being has been given exceedingly great and precious promises. But one of those promises is that delegated power and authority that you can now exercise. Amen? I am an ambassador of Christ. In other words, the power of Christ and everything that is accomplished in Christ and through the cross, through Calvary, is yours and is at your disposal. It is not using God, but making yourself available to, to the provision that he has given each and every one of us. He so wants us to live at the smorgasbord of his provision. And sometimes we are under the table partaking of crumbs when there is so much available. Amen. How we would pray differently if we knew that authority that has been given to you. This is the confidence that we have in that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. According to the will of God. Let's bring that into perspective. And many people I see over the years have dispensed with exercising the type of believing prayer and expectation and even believing, belittling its principles, and they even throw lines out like, oh, you're just the blabber and grab it group. That sort of faith. Oh, that's just such an absolute insult, isn't it? The blabber and grab it group. That is such a, it's an insult to God. The quoted and toted. I've heard that reference. You're the quoted and toted group. Is it wrong to believe like a child in the things that God has made provision for us? Is it wrong? Is it called hyperfaith? I've heard other people call it. Oh, that's hyperfaith. It's a derogatory term, isn't it? Is it hyperfaith to believe God as a child? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, it's charismania or it's Pentecostal extremism. But strangely enough, the world has embraced what now the church has basically abandoned and dispensed with to our detriment, amen? Oh, we so spoke against what happened in the 90s. For those young people, there was a mighty move of God in the 90s. 
Literally hundreds of thousands of people throughout Australia were touched. But there was a, a, a spirit of faith that kicked into the church. And we were for a while elevated on a new platform. It was such an exciting thing. You had to get to church early to get a good seat. Amen. And the church filled from the front row, which is empty here, to the back. These days, the church fills from the back row to the front. But there was, such a, there was something. People wanted to get there early because they thought they would miss out. That's faith, amen. And when faith is in the house, oh, it's good things. But I'd like to tell you today that it's ironic the fact that the collective teaching on the authority of the believer brought out in the Scriptures... It did not originate from the modern church and the so-called, others would even call it in a detrimental way, all the faith movement. They call it like that. And you have heard of Kenneth Hagin and the 50-year ministry of even the Copelands. They were the faith people and the faith of the charismatic and Pentecostal movements that have occurred over the years. Incredible, incredible. Over a hundred and nearly 130 years of documented charismatic history. It's, in, it's incredible to read. It's incredible to read. But nothing could be further from the truth. I'd like to say in 1885, Andrew Murray, he was a powerful minister in South Africa. Who's heard of Andrew Murray? A powerful ministry to South Africa. He was Scottish-born and trained a lot in the Netherlands because he had to work with a lot with the Afrikaans in South Africa. And he was a mover and shaker in his day, an incredible man of the word of God. Oh, he was an apostle, he was an apostle, apostle, and uh, a mover and shaker through the Reformed Church, and, and was teaching that believers have authority, and the church of the living God has been dispensed with that authority, declaring that, in his own words, your, call, your calling is higher and holier than you know. You have been called with a holy calling and it is higher and holier than you ever, ever realized. There was a Scottish preacher and hymn writer, Horatius Bonar, said that God is seeking kings not out of the ranks of angels. Look around. You are the kings and the priests of the Most High God. It is you. I've made, made mention too of John G. Lake. He, one of his, preacher, his sermons which I brought here uh, just that scripture at least, uh, Romans 5, 17, reigning as kings in the realm of life, in uh, one of the translations, you and I were called to reign as kings in the realm of life. How do you do that? Only with the dispensed authority that came through the king of kings to you and I today. This, uh, this is just an introduction to this vast subject but if you can just grasp hold of the fact this morning of the immense reserve, heaven's reserves, all of heaven available to you and I, because God does not want us to be victims, but victors. Amen? In 1932, John A. McMillan, a former Liberal Party member of the House of Commons of Canada and a barrister, became a minister. He was a missionary writer, editor, professor from the holiness movement. I said he came from the holiness movement. Amen? All the Presbyterians and all those sort of guys, they were part of the holiness movement. This man came from the holiness movement. But he published a series of articles on the authority of the believer through the Missionary Alliance. I've got a copy of that and I've got a, a downloaded things and it's been reprinted by many different authors over the years. Oh, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful book, wonderful book. 
all scripture, amen, absolutely scripturally based. And he taught a series of articles on the authority of the believer, and not entirely a new teaching, but he became an authority and an advocate in its teaching and its practical outworking with deliverance ministry as well, answered prayer, which, by the way, is the best kind. I like prayer, but I like answered prayer the best. Who likes answered prayer? Oh, I've seen some unanswered prayer, but I love answered prayer. Answered prayer. But he stemmed from a fertile mind of a lawyer, so he was a thinking man. He was a studier, but he was a deeply, deeply spiritual man. Amen? Deeply spiritual man. And, uh, and he just studied the scriptures and, and uh, gained a, a revelation. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 speaks of the church. In fact, the whole book of the Ephesians is about the church. Amen? Not all books in the Bible are about the church, but all books of the Bible are for the church. There's a distinct difference. And so we see in chapters 1, 2, 3, God has revealed the glorious body, this new body introduced to the world in the book of Acts as the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, Jew and Gentile, slave, bond and free, and there's room for me in all of that. Every one of us, amen? And the second part of the book of Ephesians from chapters 4 to 6 is the practical outworking of this glorious teaching from chapters 1 to 3. That is the book of Ephesians. But from the outset, we could see that John A. McMillan's he, he inspired men and women to greatness in God. And that's the sort of teaching, the authority of the believer. It inspires people to greatness in God. Are you content with what you're doing for God right now or what God can do through you? Because you don't use the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses you. But if you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit, what can God do through you next week? What can God do through you this afternoon? When you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit, oh, Father, it's going to do some shaking around the place. The enemy will be alarmed, amen? Alarmed. Yes, you will incur opposition, and you always will. If you're going to put your neck out for God, there will be always, always, always. If there is no opposition, spiritual opposition in your life, generally it is a sign that you're of no threat to what the kingdom of darkness is doing, amen? No threat at all. Can you and your eyes say that we are no threat to the kingdom of darkness? No threat. So in detail, I'd like to comment uh, over the next month or two some of these things, some of these topics, authority and power, our identity and image. Where is your identity? Or who do you draw your image from? You can draw your image from rage on TV. You can draw your image from the pop stars or Hollywood. You can draw your image from all those things. But Jesus has said that you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. We are to reflect his glory and to behold Jesus. You will behold what you behold, you will become. Amen. What you embrace, you were made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. And he has given us basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what the Bible stands for. Amen. And so he wants us to be created in the likeness of God. So the spoken word in regards to creating and pulling down things. I'd also like to speak on the name of Jesus. I'd like to speak on faith and believing, confidence and trust, and also praying from a position of authority. When you understand the authority that has been imparted to us or made available to us, you pray differently. 
you do pray differently. And it's not presumption and it's not arrogance, but you pray with a confidence. I'd like to say you pray with a quiet confidence, but I find it difficult to pray quietly in confidence when I know that God is behind me. I do get excited. I do get elevated. Amen. And I unapologetically get excited about God. Amen. I'm not, intimidation will want to quieten you down. People don't like you. You know, I like what they said about Billy Sunday. If they lock me in a beer barrel, I'll shout hallelujah through the bunghole. Amen. Because they wanted to quieten him down. They want to quieten him down. But I like to get excited about God. A scriptural basis and understanding of the wonderful privileges extended to us does build a confidence and trust in your everyday walk with God. Amen? Doesn't matter what comes your way, there is a confidence and a trust in the way that you walk. In the midst of tremendous adversity, you will not be found like this. But you will say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Oh, that you would know that peace today. Doesn't matter what comes your way. We are living in crazy days. Crazy days. Every day I watch the news early in the morning. I come and talk to Jules. She says, what's happened? (laughs) I just never cease to be amazed what is now coming on our TV and the news and stuff on a day-to-day basis day-to-day basis. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that in, in Ephesians chapter 1 alone, it's, it refers to Christ being in Christ, in Him, or in whom. And so in the New Testament, there are 130 references of being in Christ, in Him, in whom. 13 references in the in the Ephesians chapter 1, and also Colossians chapter 1 is another one. Uh, and so the question to ask us, are we in Christ today? Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Can you confidently say, I am in Christ? I am in Christ. In whom? I know in whom. In Christ, I have believed. Amen? It's appropriated personally. Your mum, your dad, your your heritage, you cannot impart a faith. A faith is personalized, and that's can, only you can do it. And so there was, there was a story in, uh, in Acts 19.15. I think I've got it marked here, so don't go there. I'll flickly, I'll flickly go there. <laughs> and some of these, it says in, in Acts 19.13, it says, Since some of the itiner- itinerant Jewish exorcists, took it upon themselves, mark that word, took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Amen? Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And so what happened is that those seven sons of Sceva, the spirit, that man with that demonic spirit, jumped on top of the whole lot of them and sent them all scurrying off in seven different directions. What's the message for us today? It was an unlawful use of authority because those seven sons of Sceva had no personalized relationship with Jesus. When you, have a, when you are in Christ, in Jesus, 
There is a lawful authority to be able to tell those demons to get off that situation, to get out of that person, to stop influencing that situation because there are demonic spirits influencing things all around us which we can't see. We work in an unseen realm. But it was an unlawful authority and they were soon taught a lesson. Amen? But you have a lawful authority to use the name of Jesus because we are in right relationship with Jesus. Amen? That is your ticket to use the authority and the name that is above every name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? But what is the Genesis or first reference to this authority to us in regards to this chain of command and authority? And I'd like to say from the outset, God is the originator and ultimate monarch of the universe. So he is the one who dispenses the authority to us. Authority, Jesus' authority is, he is the monarch of the universe and holds all ultimate authority. Hebrews 1.3, amen? He holds all and he gives it to whomever he wishes, amen? Did he give it to the government? Did he give it to the Rotary Club? Did he give it to the school? No, he didn't. He gave it to the church. That authority is dispensed through the church. Do other crazy things happen in the church? Sure they do, because there's tears amongst us. And so I believe we need to be mature in our Christian faith when we see things that are not of God even happening in the church, that you just don't up and leave. No, that you become a part of the solution to the issue. When there's tears in there, it's a good time for solid Christians, mature Christians to come around and build and safeguard and protect the body of Christ. Amen? That is the role of mature. The, the role of the strong is always to protect the weak. In these days of euthanasia and all that sort of stuff, we don't believe in that anymore. The world does not believe the strong should protect the weak. It believes that the strong should shoot the weak and get on with it. Amen? That's what it teaches. Amen? I've worked with people who think that way, amen? You have worked with people who think exactly that way. They think this child, it's a really an interruption to my career. I think I'll get rid of it. They don't even consider it a person, amen? And if the, and if the, most, if the safest place on earth should be in the womb of a mother is no longer safe, what help is there for the rest of civilization, amen? Who have no regard for life, no regard for life. But Jesus' regard for life, as Priscilla said in the communion message, if, if there was just one person here, Jesus would have died for that one person. Amen? And so when we have a look at authority and the, the, uh, the originator or the first, the law of first reference, you really can't go past Genesis chapter 3. And uh, let me go there quickly. While you're finding Genesis chapter 3, I'll go to Genesis chapter 1 and verses 20, uh, I'll go to 26, 27 and 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. There is that word. Dominion means to dominate. And so that there is an authority. God created the earth and he gave man the, uh, the, the, the job to dominate over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so he reiterates, so God created man in his own image. 
There it is again. We are made in the image and likeness of God. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So there is in that one small verse, would eradicate all the talk of the day right now, who's a male and who's a female? Goodness gracious, a me. Moving right along. Verse 28, that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the face of the earth. There it is there. One, God created the heavens and the earth. Two, you and I were made in the image and likeness of God. Amen? God does not make a mistake. And that we have been given and the role to have dominion or take dominion or to dominate. The role of the church is to dominate the spirit realm. Amen? And the level of darkness out there relates directly to the level of light that is in here. And the role of the responsibility, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then God would pour out all these blessings. Who is he speaking to? He is speaking to the church. You and I today, it is the role of the church. Amen? And so in Genesis chapter 3, we can see the fall of man. Adam and Eve sinned. And in verse... 23, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he was placed. And he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And in the process of Genesis chapter 3, we saw paradise lost. Authority unlawfully usurped was taken by Satan as man through sin disqualified himself. Was it taken from him? No, it wasn't. It was given up. Was authority taken from the church here in this our day? No, it wasn't. It was given up. We have nobody else to blame for things that are happening on the earth today because we have given up. We have given up our authority and we have nobody else to blame. We as monarchs of the earth, which is what our uh, position is, we have abdicated our position. That's vastly different, amen? We have walked away from the responsibility that also comes with having authority. If people want authority, everybody says, oh, I want authority. But with authority comes a measure. With that authority, the level of authority comes a measure of responsibility. And the church has abdicated its position, we have not recognized, we're not honored the authority that we have been given, nor we have, have we exercised the power that we have received to defend all the earth. Amen? And so authority was initially dispensed to the 12 disciples in Matthew 10.1. It was given to the 70 when they were sent out in Luke 10.1, where they received power and authority. And authority was regained at the cross and made available to all believers in Colossians 1. Amen? So you can see the stepping stone. First it was the 12, then it was the 70, and then it is now to the ecclesia, the whole of the church. And you can read Colossians chapter 1, and you can read Ephesians 1 chapter, first chapter to 3, to see how God brought about this new body called the church, and he would operate his power and authority through the church. And Jesus was always questioned. He said, well, what authority are you doing these things? They always said, remember that? But what authority are you doing these things? Somebody went to get a donkey for Jesus. They said, but what authority are you getting that donkey? 
Everybody's always challenging everybody else. The Pharisees wanted to see Jesus' license to preach. They wanted to see Jesus, they wanted to see his doctor's certificate to see whether he's allowed to heal people. Amen? And it happens to all the saints in, in times past. Smith Wigglesworth, when he preached in Sweden, they shut him down and forbid him to lay hands on the sick because he didn't have a, he didn't have a doctor's uh, a qualification. Amen? And he was prohibited. So what he did, he says, lay hands on yourselves and I pray healing in Jesus' name. And thousands were healed. God used it to, for, just for a stepping stone for his, in an open auditorium. Open. He was prohibited, stopped from laying hands on the sick. And so he says, I, the law of the land will not allow me to lay hands on the sick. Amen. This is in about the 1930s. Amen. Oh, it happens all over the place. The Pharisees wanted to see Jesus' ministry to deliver. He didn't have a, a, a license to, he didn't have a, any of those licenses. But I want to say Jesus is the sheriff of this town. Amen. Jesus is the sheriff. That's a bit of an American terminology, but Jesus is wearing that star. I watched a country and western movie a couple of days ago, you can tell. And uh, John Wayne and well, who else was it? Uh, Robert Mitchum. It was fantastic. I love those old, the Duke. But Jesus is the sheriff in town and you and I are authorised and deputised to blow Satan and his henchmen away, Amen. I want to put a badge on every one of you this morning. I say, you are authorized and you're deputized to blow, the, the, blow him away, amen? Carmen, who remembers Carmen, the great musical evangelist? And he, Satan bite the dust and he got out there, these guns and this gunslinger thing, and he blew him away, amen? He says, I'm authorized and deputized to blow you clean away. Satan bite the dust, amen? Satan bite the dust. When was the last time when he got in your face? trying to steal your money, trying to steal your health, trying to steal this and try to steal your, your kids' salvation and all this sort of stuff, trying to steal our town, trying to steal this, and he's having a heyday. Isn't it about time the church of the living God got up there and said, Satan, bite the dust, and with the authority and your prayer, you will pray differently. Or you might sound a little radical. Or you might sound a little radical. Oh, I don't care. I don't think I'll ever get to heaven and Jesus said, I think you're a bit radical, Jeff. I think you got too excited. My people got up and performed miracles after you preached that message. You're accountable for that, you know. <laughs> come on, come on. I believe God's got better for every one of us. I believe God's got more for you. More for you. More for your life. More for your life. More for your life. God's got more for your family. He's got more for every one of your families here today. If you're not praying for yourself, surely you're praying for your children and for your grandchildren. Many people here have got children and grandchildren, hundreds of them, but they're not in church. I'm believing for your family. I'm believing that they come to Jesus. Amen? Can you be too radical about that? Carmen brought out that song, Satan Bite the Dust. It's not the D9 power that I'm talking to here. But I'm talking about an ability to walk on the road with a badge of authority and the command to, for the traffic to stop. Amen? That's the authority. It's a different Greek word because they use often the same word for four different meanings. But I'll close with this as Jules comes to the keys. They use this illustration, I think, in this book somewhere. I read it years ago. And this little lady, she weighs about maybe 50 kilo but she's wearing a policeman's hat 50 kilo ringing wet 
You don't have to be six foot tall anymore to be a policeman. Like when I was a kid, you had to be six foot tall. And so uh, I was never going to be a policeman. But this 50 kilo woman, she's got a policeman's hat on and she's got a badge. In her pocket is a license. And she can walk onto a highway. And there is Mack truck after Mack truck coming her way, hurtling down that highway. But all she does, she hasn't got the dunamis power of God, but she's got the authority power of God. I mean, it's different. Authority. When you understand your authority, you don't have to feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You have a name to call upon, which is above every name. You can walk out onto a highway, low loaders and semi-trailers coming your way, and you just go, stop in the name of of Jesus. That 50 kilo woman can stop any Mack truck, amen? Any low loader. I don't care what is coming your way. You have been given the authority to step out in the middle of that road and you go, enough is enough. You will stop now. I tell you what, you pray different when your kids are on the line. You pray different when the health of your wife or your husband is on the line. You pray different when your kids are off the rails and doing drugs and every other thing. You pray different when they're pushing stuff in our kindergartens. Surely you'll pray different. What will it take for you to get in your bedroom, in your closet, and you begin to pray with a different... You say, you've got to get mad at something here, but it's not with, fle- it's not with flesh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. Amen? And when you begin to pray... Or sometimes I pray. Sometimes I get out under the stars when I'm really mad with the devil. Amen. I've had a few things come my way. I know a few things. Not as much as probably some of you, but you can walk out into the middle of that highway and you say, Satan, bite the dust. Amen. And begin to pray with the, and know that you have all the power of heaven behind you. Whether you're this big or this big, There's situations at school going on. There's situations in university. There's situations in this very town. And God has revealed them to you. Why to you and not to me? Because you are the one to pray about it. Do you have to have flamboyant prayers? No way in the world. You just say, Satan, back off in the name of Jesus. Can you say that? Satan, back off in the name of Jesus. Come on, can picture a situation in your mind right now and you say, Satan, back off in the name of Jesus. You've got to know your authority. And when you begin to do it, what happens is God will give you a sphere of influence where He has positioned you. And I have known this year after year. For 25 years, I prayed over all the new developments that went over in Townsville. And then uh, I would start with a small group, the size of a house block. But gradually, as the whole area was opened up, uh, suburb after suburb after suburb, God gave me dominion over those suburbs before I had dominion over any other region. And my sphere of influence and my sphere of believing, my capacity to believe for bigger things was increased. And I began to take another step and another step and another step. And that's how God grows exceedingly abundant faith. Amen. Which is written in 2 Thessalonians. Amen. It's according to the Word of God. It can be fully substantiated that this authority has been imparted to you 
at the time when you received Jesus. Amen. You were just before the cross, repenting of your sin. You didn't realize that this authority was being dispensed to you at that very same time. Let's stand to our feet right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this beautiful body of believers. I pray, Lord, that somehow, Lord, you were able to speak. If you could speak through the jawbone of an ass, Lord, well, then surely you could speak through me. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage this people today, Father. Reveal to this spirit the actual power and authority that you have dispensed to each and every one of them at the moment of their believing in you. And they will begin to take steps, Lord God, and push back the darkness, Lord, which has so encroached and smothered and asphyxiated this land. But we say enough is enough. And we say, Satan, bite the dust in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.